thank you for tuning in to Adversity University and welcome to class. Hey everyone, it's Sean and we gave you a little sneak peek of who the guest was today, but we had a professional bull rider on today and that's a pretty crazy job. I think anyone would agree. My first experience with it was actually at a bar in Oklahoma. I went to uh, one of my best friend's weddings down there and you know, at around 11 o'clock, the lights just turned on in the bar. And I thought it was, you know, last call, time to go home, whatever. And everyone turns around and there was live bull riding in the bar. And it was crazy being 15 feet away from someone riding a 1600 pound animal. So pretty cool to talk to someone who's, you know, very elite in this profession. He was in the top 10 worldwide, high, worldwide highest ranked American in 2018. And, you know, trying to get back up that mountain right now. Garrett, what did you think about today's interview? Yeah, I just thought it was super cool. I mean, when you're a little kid, I feel like everyone can attest to going to the rodeo and, you know, spending some time with your family there. And you watch it, and it's crazy because, like Sean mentioned, the animals are so big. They're so aggressive. Uh, they rip around violently. So to talk about or talk to someone that does that for a profession and kind of get the insider scoop on, you know, how they train for that sport and uh, what goes through their mind when they're on the bull and et cetera, it was really cool to be able to, uh, to pick his brain on that because it's a very unique sport that you wouldn't really get a background into um, unless you're interviewing a bull rider. Um, and on a side note, it's kind of funny. We were talking to Sean's dad before, and uh, he was talking about how we're coming up on a year here. And uh, it's crazy to think about and to think about the different professions that we've had on the show. If you would ask me when we first started that we would have had a professional bull rider on, I would have told you you're crazy. Uh, so, you know, we can't thank you guys enough for the support so far and uh, to many years to come. Absolutely. Let's kick it on over to Cody Nance. Today's guest is entering his 15th season as a professional bull rider and is an 11-time PBR finalist. Over his 15 seasons, the Tennessee native has amassed 585 rides in 1,487 attempts. In 2018, he finished inside the top 10 worldwide and was the highest ranked American rider on the PBR. Thank you for joining the podcast, Cody Nance. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. That's quite the introduction. <laughs> hey, it's all earned. Cody, welcome to the show. Uh, where are you currently and how have things been? Well, it's been a rough past couple of years, uh, but if it were going to happen, I guess the COVID season would have been the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I made it on tour, on the elite tour in 2009. I was 21 years old and didn't really have a, a lot to come from uh, as far as financial support goes. And so I, I worked really hard on that. But uh, yeah, 2019 was really uh, a rough, rougher year, I guess, considering I dislocated my hip and my I fractured my collarbone and then I dislocated my shoulder. So I had to sit out, like, I think I sit out nine weeks for my hip. And then um, I maybe sit out one weekend for my collarbone. But that year at the finals, I dislocated my shoulder in the third round in Vegas. And that gave me nerve damage. And so shut down my deltoid and rotator cuff and all that stuff. And uh, that was in my free arm, fortunately. But it took me uh, roughly seven months to come back from that injury and so I missed the finals last year for the first time since 2009 by about 100 points which isn't much because I could have just won around probably and done that you know got them points but I missed the finals and uh had an exemption to come back earlier this year and 
didn't have the best go. So uh, they there's three tiers to the PBR tour, and there's a Turn Pro, uh, Velocity Tour, and the Monster Energy Tour. And so the Monster Energy Tour is, of course, the elite tour, and that's what you watch on CBS Sports Network each week. And uh, so I, I took some time off. Um, haven't really been pushing it too hard this year. I've gone to a few local uh, open type events just to get the knock the rust off, and I brought out the big wire brush and was managed able to manage to get that done, and was able to stay on uh, majority of my bulls, and so uh, went to a PBR event uh, here. It was in Rainsville, Alabama, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, and I ended up uh, second down there, won around, and then. Went to Charleston, South Carolina, to another. It's those are the. This is a velocity deal. Uh, I won a second there. Stayed on two out of three, and then managed to get back in the top thirty-five, which I'm right on the bubble, so I'm thirty-fifth. And yeah, I got a call yesterday. He asked if I wanted to go to Glendale, Arizona, to the big show this weekend. And I said, "Time to go, coach." Hey, congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you. So I'm happy to be back there. And, going to go make hay while the sun's shining, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely want to get into, you know, the injuries and all that later because those are big parts of your career. But um, how did you get started in bull riding and how do you learn to do such a dangerous task safely? Well, I grew up on a horse farm. Uh, we trained a bunch of horses. My dad's a farrier. So um, they said, you got to be tough to ride bulls. Well, I grew up with my dad, so I got that part down. And then I... Uh, I guess, you know, shoveling a lot of manure growing up and uh, riding a bunch of horses made me pretty tough. So I, I figured if I could ride some of them bronchi horses that we had, I could stay on bull. And uh, I was introduced to bull riding at two years old, and I wanted to do it ever since. But it was my stepfather that introduced me when he and my mom got married. And yeah, he quit riding bulls and then uh, went on to judging. So I still got to be around it for a little while. And I liked riding horses, but I really wanted to ride bulls. And my dad, he, you know, he was the horse trainer. And so he put me on some Bronx and stuff. And I liked that all right, you know, and, but I didn't like it as much as bull riding. When I was, oh, I guess I was 14, my stepfather says to my mom, says, uh, to convince her to allow me to ride and you'll probably just get bucked off stepped on won't want to do it no more well I, I i knew better than that i knew i would have given it everything i had you know so i, I was hoping to be successful i you know and so i've been practicing on a barrel that i had mounted in the trees you know tied it up with ropes and had some springs on it simulated the way a buck i've been practicing for you know, a couple of years already. So he knew I was fixing to sneak off on my own and start doing it and without their knowing. So he figured it'd be best to support me. So that's how that came about. I ended up getting on three bulls the first night and I rode the first two I got on. And they said, you're a natural. And I said, I don't know, but I love it. And of course, that's when my mom looked at my stepdad. It's like, uh, you see what you just got us into. And so then my mom said, you know, we can't support you financially. We can't afford it. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to do this on your own. And so I, I worked, and, you know, I went to the bull riding's and I, I managed to get the first year under my belt with some of their support. They towed me to the, to the arenas. Yeah. I needed to ride it. And, um, 
I didn't have a license or nothing yet, but after that first year and getting some experience under my belt, I, I kind of proved to myself that I could, I could make myself a hand when I showed up. And so they trusted me to be able to go. And my dad gave me a stack of release forms and said, they should work wherever you go, son. I didn't think any different about it. I was the only kid there that didn't have to have an adult sign for me. I was younger than most of the guys, but by the, by the second year, I was traveling with the guys that, you know, they were in their twenties and I was having to pay for more gas than them because I was leaving with more money than they were, you know? So I, I was paying my way and I, you know, like I said, I was really blessed. I, I've worked really hard. And so everything I made, I, you know, at the bull riding, I wasn't about to take and use it to contribute back into my fees for the next weekend. I went to work when I got home Monday, right after school. And, you know, I, I just wanted to work for my entry fees and I wouldn't save my money because PBR was a goal in my mind. And, and I went to the high school finals in, uh, in Illinois one time in Gillette, Wyoming twice. There were the high school national finals where everybody, the top four in each state and then top four in the countries are surrounding. They come together and compete. And so I got to do that and got off of the scholarship and just thought, this ain't for me. I don't want to go to school yet. And like I said, I joined a, a ranch and started working in Mississippi and I got to own all the bulls I wanted to get on. And he took me to a bunch of bull ridings because we were traveling, taking bulls. And so I got to enter the bull ridings we were going to, and I got to get on the upper call, uh, caliber of bulls consistently. And um, these guys, they, you know, they knew what they were talking about. Well, this guy, he was like dad to me, took me in under his wing. He knew what he was talking about. He rode bulls back in the day and taught me a ton. So, you know, without the, the people, providing the stock for me to get on without assisting me and knowing uh, how to ride bulls and, you know, and teaching me that it's just, it would have been completely impossible. So for me now, you know, I'm, I'm into producing events and I'm still riding, but my body's kind of getting worn out. I'm 33 years old and I'm looking at uh, my future. And so uh, it's really good to be able to help these young guys have that opportunity to know, that they have something that they can go to and, and that they're not going to uh, be taken advantage of. I want to be able to give as much as I can to them guys, because, you know, a lot, a lot of times you go to places where, you know, it's the wrong place. You want to go where, you know, people can, you know, offer you something. You don't want to just bend over backwards and go to places that are amateur pro all the time. you got to step it up. you got to push yourself. You know, you don't, don't let, yourself get good enough and then go be a big fish in a small pond go test yourself go do what you can do and you know see what you're about That's yeah i like that you point out uh the inner circle and there's a lot of people and a lot of turning parts to get you to where you are today and sean and i can attest to that with having played college hockey there's a lot of people that without we wouldn't be where we are today um but for people that don't know much about bull riding how does the bull riding season work? Do you accumulate points throughout the year based on events you go to? Yeah, throughout the year, see, our season starts in the beginning of January. Well, actually, our finals is in November. And so right after, well, October, November, it fluctuates. But right after our finals begins the new season, it could have an event, they could have an event take place the next weekend. Matter of fact, in Australia, that's their summertime. So they'll have their summer events going on, and some guys will be traveling over there and competing during that. And so then, uh, you know, that's when you're, you know, say follow next year's season points start. And then uh, the big tour that I was talking about, the one you watch on CBS Sports is the one that starts in January. And it'll go to 
uh, end of May, beginning of June, and then they'll take the break from that season and we'll be able to go uh, all summer long to the open events like I was talking about, and then they'll kick back off the big tour in August, and then it'll go through, you know, October, November, and then we'll be famous for our world finals. But, yeah, that that's what everybody's pushing toward is that world finals because it, it pays a lot of money to win that, and then the world championship is a, is a million-dollar bonus. So. And you get invited to that based on your national ranking? We get – yeah, we get invited to that based on our world rankings. So okay. PBR uh, consists of five different countries. It's Canada, Mexico, Australia, and Brazil. And you have thousands of guys that are permanent card holders and all trying to compete for the finals, but they only take, I think they'll take uh, so many invitees from each country, but then it's ultimate. Uh, they changed it. It's 32 guys now that'll make the finals. So. That's what we were all trying to do. And, uh, you know, that's that's where you, you're going to make good money at each one of these events. They'll pay thirty dollars to $40,000 at each one just to win it. But at the finals, it'll pay that per round. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And then half a million to win it in the finals. And then a million-dollar bonus to win the world. So, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. They've got a lot of money put up for grabs but it's uh it's up for us to go get it they're not so, gonna give it to you what's your pre-ride preparation like and your sport's so unique and dangerous are you trying to calm your nerves or are you trying to get hyped up it's a balance you can't be too calm and you can't be too hyped you got to be able to stay calm so you can react to what's thrown at you because ultimately there's no thinking on the back of a bull it's all reaction and, you know, just like when you guys are chasing that puck, uh, you know, I mean, you guys ain't got time to think about it. You just see it and you catch little glimpses of it and your body responds to what it is that you know and, and, and how to react. And so, I mean, it's the same thing with us. And, you know, it's uh, – you got to, like I said, stay calm, but you got to kind of be amped up. You know, you, you got to be ready. You got to have that blood pumping, but – and the, the heart's got to be calm and the mind's got to be focused. And then how is it determined what bull you ride at each event? And are the bulls different enough that it changes how you would ride? Uh, some can really affect that, but most of them, uh, you ride the same way. I mean, it's chest out, toes out, um, don't ever get a hump in your back, you know, because I sit you on your pockets. You sit on your pockets that, that, you know, you put a bow in your bag that sits you on your pockets, your arm gets straight, and then he jerks the fire at you, gets your chin up, and then he tries to take your teeth. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's always a bad deal. You're, you ever seen eight seconds when Lane Frost says, back here's the bull's territory. He means that. <laughs> you get back there and he's got a hold of you, but you get up there, you take the power away from him. You want to be up on your knees and you want to hang on your feet. You know, we have spurs, uh, we have a bull rope, and that's the only two things that we have that we can actually grip with. You know, the, the hand is tied into the rope, you know, and just we put a lot of rosin and stuff on there and make it real sticky and then take that wrap as tight as we can and bind it all in our hand and, you know, smack on it make sure it's stuck in there real good and, and hope it don't come out for eight seconds and then you know uh, 
you know, our spurs are man. They're a rail part on the end of our spur is mandated, and that's just to grip the bull with. Their skin is so much thicker than ours, and you know, so it doesn't cut. And there were some guys that I guess they would back in the day sharpen on the rails a little bit, and you know, they'd kind of hook in. But they, you know, we're in Mexico. They have the gauchos that they actually hook in the skin, and they're they're crazy. I ain't doing that. I don't want to be stuck to that suck you know by my feet that was one reason i didn't want to ride bronx is because i drugged by my foot and i thought this ain't no fun <laughs> i got that stirrup leather ended up snapping and you know saved my life probably thank god but um yeah i'd rather i said i'd rather drag by my hands so yeah that was the that was the key turning point there <laughs> you've been you've been mentioning well we mentioned how dangerous the sport is and you mentioned how uh big of a toll it is on your body so uh, you know, how much of a toll does a single ride take like on your body and how do you like recover from that to be ready for the next ride? Well, even though you rode him eight seconds, you still got to get off. So that all kind of goes into effect there. And, uh, you know, you want to, you know, sometimes your hand don't come out that easy and you can get kind of piled up and not even mean to, you know, and, uh, just hopefully he don't step on you. It ain't the horns that we don't that we worry about so much. It's the feet. We don't want to get stepped on because them suckers weigh you know sixteen hundred pounds on average, and uh, he's coming down with full force. And, and you know it's such an amazing deal. Them bulls are some athletes, and uh, you know you look at the way they maneuver and jump around, and uh, you would think that guys get stepped on a lot more than they do, but them bulls they're really sure-footed. So it's and the bullfighters are great too. So they get their attention and you know that, I don't know, I wouldn't want to be a bullfighter. I don't know how they do it and get out there and jump on one's head and, you know, but they're like the angels in the outfield. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's actually what one of our followers wanted us to ask. Is it crazier to be a bull rider or to be, you know, one of the rodeo clowns, one of the, the bullfighters? Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask them, they probably think it's crazier to be a bull rider. They think I'm not strapping myself to that joker. I can get around him on foot, you know. But we're like, as soon as we come off, you guys are crazy. Y'all are running to him. We're running from him. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in perspective. And then before we start recording, uh, you know, we talked about how concussions have become a bigger issue later on. And you mentioned that uh, pro bull riding is doing a lot to help. Could you, you know, tell the audience about that? Yeah, so the Western Sports Foundation is an amazing uh, 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 contribution to us because they've put together so many uh, options for us to be able to go and get checked out, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, psychiatrist or, you know, like, you, you know, athletes usually don't compete as well if they have issues at home and things like that, you know, so they got people that they can talk to and that, you know, you don't, bull run's a dangerous sport, so you don't need somebody going out there distracted by, you know, problems elsewhere. And so then, you know, you have concussion issues, you know, with bull riding, obviously it's a, it's a big issue. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Lessie up in Canada, or Connecticut, I'm sorry. He's, he's great uh, neurologist, and he's done quite a few studies. Him and his team have put together some, uh, technology to be able to uh, scan your brain through your feet and so uh, as I've had multiple concussions they provided you know access to him and uh, they paid for it they funded it because of people's donations they acquired and was able to you know help us with that and one reason that 
you know, this guy brought up, we talked about earlier, was Ty Pazabon. He was a, a great bull rider, great young athlete, a um, friend of mine from Canada. And um, he got multiple concussions, a couple of really, really bad ones there, and um, led him to depression. Um, he'd been struggling, could not sleep, was uh, having really bad headaches, and just was depressed and just could not figure out why and left a letter and took his life. And, and then they studied his brain and realized that he had a lot of trauma. And so um, that led them to want to dig in deep and start researching because he was a friend of all of ours, you know, and so, and, and a great bull rider. There was a lot of fans out there that just loved Ty. You never seen the guy not have a smile on his face. You never would have thought that'd been the one, you know, so he was, he was, golden boy you know what i mean everybody loved him and uh, just i hate to see anybody not know how to deal with something like that and so that's what they provided and it's great yeah it's phenomenal it seems like you know trying to end the stigma around you know being weak if you have mental health issues and it's cool that yeah. um you know people are supporting each other now so um you were ranked in the top 10 back in 2018 and you mentioned how you've had, you know, a couple rough years since then, but what do you think you need to do to get back inside the top 10 ranking worldwide? Oh, just stay on my bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically that's all it comes down to. Just stay on my bulls and be as consistent as possible and rack up them points. Yeah. Um, we saw you got it before we can do it again. Yeah. <laughs> We saw your career best score is 93. How does the scoring work, obviously, on top of staying on the bull for the full time? So uh, you have to ride them eight seconds. That's the rule. There's a whistle blows uh, at eight seconds from the time the bull breaks the barrier. Um, there's when the gate opens that bull, you know, when he's, his shoulder leaves that plank, that's when they start the clock. So then when eight seconds blows, if the company has not first touched the bull with his free hand, or himself with his free hand, um, then he can get a score. And so that score is figured up based on how high that bull jumps, how fast he spins, how soon he spins uh, and turns back, um, difficulty, uh, how high he kicks, all that goes into effect. And he goes from one to 25 on each judge. So he'll, you'll have um, two judges. And each judge will judge the rider and the bull. So it's also the same scoring system for the rider, but it's based on how well he's in control. You might see us kick loose and spur the bull a little bit. It's like kicking the horse and saying, giddy up. You know, you're just asking a little more from him. You say, come on, you know, I, I, you can buck harder than this. I need more points. So you're in dominate, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're dominating the bull, you're in control. And so the judge will mark you up on that. If the bull say, you know, He's, he's getting up to 50 points from two judges, you know, 25 each. So the rider is also getting 25 from each judge. That's figure 100 points. You know, if that bull does everything he's supposed to do and that rider sits there and dominates him, say that bull was a 88-point bull, but the rider rode him really, really good, spurred him, never got out of shape. And, uh, you know, maybe mark him two points higher. If that bull was an 88, he might be 90 points, and that's an outstanding ride. Yeah, that's super interesting. And from an outsider looking in, you never would have think, or you would never think like, oh, the bull rider is dominating the bull. Uh, in the sense that you just said, like you're spurring them a little bit harder to get more out of them. Usually, when you're looking, you're thinking, oh, they're just trying to stay on. Uh, so that's really cool insight to that. 
Um, but we talked about that bull riding is physical, but it's also very mental as well. And there's an article that I read that said that you take time to sharpen your mind. Uh, so when adversity strikes, you're prepared. Um, and then, then you were reading the champion's mind. What other books have you found to be helpful and motivating along your journey? Well, that's one book I've really focused in on. I would like that book a lot. And I've taken a lot of time to really uh, dig in and try to understand, you know, some of their ideas and concepts. And uh, so that's been the best book so far that I've read. Um, I, I read uh, all, all sorts of different kinds of stuff, but mostly uh, just kind of positive things, uh, mostly uh, uh, Christian value type books um i like to study in to the bible and and understand what it is that god has in store for me personally and how to use that and so uh you know to further my platform and and you know potentially build his kingdom so uh i feel like to me personally that's a goal uh, with what it is that i do i i didn't come from the best place i didn't always live the best life and you know i I can uh, use all the help I can get every day. So uh, <laughs> uh, he offers me that and I'm thankful. <laughs> How do you uh, balance being a father of three while you're traveling the world on tour? How do you stay close to your family? Um, just, I mean, technology these days has been really beneficial, you know, to be able to FaceTime and, and be able to talk on the phone. Um, but, you know, during the summer when the kids aren't in school, it's so nice because we can just hook up the camper and travel like we were talking about from city to city and they get to travel with us. And, you know, there's no school to hold them back. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of fun. We enjoy those times. Okay. Um, I was actually in Oklahoma for one of my best friend's weddings and we, we went out to a bar and unannounced to me there was bull riding going on that night. I don't know if you've seen anything like that, but the lights turned on and there's live bull riding going on. Is that something people can do to, you know, increase their, like, I don't even know how to say that. Is that how amateurs can turn into professionals by doing random events like that? Or have you ever heard of that? Yeah. It just get like, for me, when I was younger, it gave me somewhere to go and compete, you know, and ride and try to make some money, get some experience. And so, yeah, that's a good stepping stone for anybody, anybody that wants to produce smaller events. We have uh, we have two that we're producing this year, smaller ones, and then we're producing one PBR in Paris. So uh, that's exciting. But we wanted to do some smaller stuff, too. You know, it's a huge show, but we and we add uh, a substantial amount of money to the guys to be able to win. And, and it gives them something really to compete for. But it also gives them something to be able to take and go buy their PBR card because they're good enough to win there. They're good enough to go win elsewhere right so that's what we try to bring to the table okay. and uh yeah them smaller events are really good for stepping stones per se and then have you ever tried any other events at the rodeo besides the bull riding uh team roped uh, uh steer wrestling out that's they consider that like jumping out of the back of the truck on a mailbox <laughs> <laughs> that's not that fun i jump on their heads enough not unpurposely <laughs> but uh I guess saddle bronc and bareback. I tried a little bit. That's both the you know bucking horses, but always stuck with bull riding. I liked it best. One last question I have for you. You mentioned when you were younger, before you started to get into it, that you tied uh, a barrel to trees with springs to try to reenact uh, what the bulls do. So what are, what does training look like now, or 
you know, is there the only way to get the experience is to be on the bowl? Well, um, we do groundwork, uh, shadow, you ever seen like shadow boxing and stuff like that. They ever teach you to, you know, perfect your form in the mirror. Uh, well, we do stuff like that, you know, just because so much of it is mental that, you know, you don't have time to think it's all, you know, muscle memory. And so we just, yeah, we have, uh, more options when it comes to practice nowadays, uh, rather than tying a barrel in the tree. Um, I have, uh, it's called a buck ride. A guy in Canada named Ian up in Calgary makes them. Uh, he produces these things and ships them all over. And it's mechanically in, mechanically driven. You plug it in, uh, it's got a chain and it, it just goes up and down to give you the motion for the bull bucking, but it doesn't do the spin. So you can work on all that stuff just basically, you know, with the, you know, the simulations that it makes. Um, but there's some other, uh, some other stuff out there that, you know, uh, I've seen one, it's called a robo bull and it's on tracks like wheels and it goes out there and spins and actually moves around unlike a mechanical bull that's stationary. And, and then you have the regular stationary mechanical bulls, but nothing feels like a real bull. Nothing simulates that real feeling. Um, but once you've done it so long, you know, you, you can imagine it. And so that's where, you know, my machine at home comes into play. Uh, I like to get on there and I'll go through all the different trips that a bull can give me and I'll make my moves. And, and that's how I practice more nowadays. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome hearing about your story and learning a little bit about bull riding. We wish you nothing but the best. And, you know, we'll be rooting for you to get into one of those big tours. Thank you. Yeah, we're in it this weekend, so stay tuned. Watch right. it on CBS Sports Network. I'll be out Saturday night in Lindell, Arizona. We'll be following along, that's for sure. Thanks. Appreciate you. It's good to yeah. talk to you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adversity University. You can follow more news about Adversity University on our social media pages. Our Instagram handle is adversity underscore university. Our Twitter handle is adversity underscore UNIV. And our Facebook page is Adversity University. If you know of any high-level athlete or professional that has an interesting story of overcoming adversity and you think they should share it, you can email us at adversityuniversitytalkshow at gmail.com. You can also use that email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Adversity University. We look forward to bringing our listeners more content from interesting guests weekly, so stay tuned on social media to see who could be next and what our past guests are up to now.